talk about what's on the slide here. Let me just remind everybody or, or tell you for the first time, uh, Vicki Cordova is going to be going to the prison. She's our missionary to the prison in Grants, and she'll be going in March. And she has, she's right here. She's going to raise her hand right there. There she is right there. And she has some pieces of paper with her that you can come and purchase a, a meal ticket, basically, for a lady that's going to come to the weekend, a lady in jail who's going to come to the weekend, but you buy that lady's meal, and it costs $5. And uh, so she and Jerry both are trying to sell a lot of these, a whole lot, like hundreds, hundreds of them, right? I mean, that's really the truth. So if you come and buy 10 of them, that'll be helpful. That'll be a start. If you can buy one of them, that'd be great. But you're going to be contributing to our mission work that we do. As Chuck was just talking about, there's all kind of work that goes, and that would be a way to contribute to that. Also, last week, we talked about these, this book on, behind me on the screen, uh, and we ran out. So many of you came to get these discipleship booklets. We said, come if you want to participate, come get two and take the two and go find a person to go through this booklet with over the next 10 weeks or three months or this year. Take two with you and find a person that you can help make disciples uh, like Jesus told us to. We ran out, so I put more this morning. If you were here last week and you're like, I didn't get one. There's some at the back back there. Paul's got some. There's some at the front on these front pews. And so you can come up afterwards and get these. And I hope that those of you who want one or you want to know more about it, ask me and we'll tell you about it afterwards. Also, next Sunday we begin a new series on the meaning of marriage. And that's going to last four weeks. And I hope, I encourage you, even if you are not a married person, I want to encourage you to be here because this is going to apply principles that are going to apply to relationships, other relationships besides marriage. And also, especially if you are married, I know you're going to glean a lot. And I'd like for you to think about friends in the community, friends that you work with, that they might benefit from coming to some lessons about the meaning of marriage. And then please mark your calendars for these two dates. Next Sunday, we have a congregational meeting, and we are going to be, uh, the elders are going to be sharing with you some goals and some, uh, some plans to accomplish those goals in 2019. And so that'll be during, next Sunday during our meal that we have on the, the fourth Sunday of each month, potluck meal. So come and plan to stay next Sunday. And then lastly, the weekend to remember, this is another investment in marriage that we're trying to make here at Gateway. If you are married, then Gateway would like to offer to you to pay your tuition to go to this weekend on February 22nd through the 24th in Albuquerque. We would like to offer to pay for you and your spouse to stay two nights at a hotel. So Gateway wants to pick up that tab for you and your spouse to go. You have to get there, pay your way to get there. You've got to pay for your meals and that kind of thing. You've got to find babysitting if you've got kids. But we want to support people keeping their vows. So if you want to do that, somewhere here, there they are right there. There's Troy and Linda right over there. And you talk to Troy and Linda and they'll get you signed up for a weekend to remember if you'd like to go. Amy and I have gone two or three times, and it's been a, it was a great experience. We hardly got in any fights. I mean, really, almost none. Just almost none. So I mean, it, I, I'm, I'm, I'm joking around, but it, honestly, it, they are great, great uh, experiences to participate in. 
I, I didn't tell you two words. Why don't you guys say them to me on the count of three? One, two, three. Grace and peace. That's beautiful. May it be so in our life this week. The beginning of this movement we are a part of. Maybe, maybe not every single person here, but probably the majority of you, the vast majority of you, almost all of you, are Christians. You are a part of a movement that started out being called the way. In the Bible, these people were part of a movement called the way. And these are people who were trusting Jesus to save them. They were following him in a new covenant. And that new covenant began with Peter preaching to them in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. And, and some of you have, probably most of you have read Acts chapter 2 before, and you know what happened that day. Uh, some of you haven't. I encourage you to read it. But I would love to have been there that day. I would have loved to have been standing in the crowd that day. Peter tells the whole story about Jesus that day, and he finishes up with an invitation to this huge crowd. And this is his invitation. He says, do you guys remember that guy you killed named Jesus? Yeah. And he says, God... Yahweh made him both Lord and Messiah. And the Bible says they were cut to the heart and they said this, what shall we do? What shall we do? And Peter tells them, repent and be baptized. And every single person who accepted his message was baptized that day and God added 3,000 people the first day. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine how tired they were getting? You know, it's like number 1,357, you know. Oh, man, somebody else step in here. I can't do another one, okay? 3,000 people. 3,000. What an amazing beginning to the start of the way, the followers of Jesus. And I want to stand in that crowd, and I want to ask those people a question. And I'm going to in a few minutes. But first time machine back to 2,000 years forward to today, where you and I are standing today. And I'm going to ask you the question first. Before I ask them the question, I'm going to ask you the question because you're followers of Jesus. You're part of the way. And so I'm going to ask you this question, and this is the question right here. What is it like to be a follower of Jesus? What is it like to be a follower of Jesus? And if I brought a microphone around and everybody got to say one thing, how they answer, well, this is what it's like. Here's some of the things that would be said. I have the gift of eternal life. That's what it's like to be a follower of Jesus. I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven for all my sins, all of them, all my sins in the past, all my sins presently, all my sins that I will commit in the future, I'm forgiven of all my sins. Some of you might say, I have, I have the gift of the Holy Spirit. He gives me purpose. He gives me direction. He gives me power to overcome temptation when those temptations come my way. Some of you would say, I have deep joy and peace 
I didn't used to have it, but I have deep joy and peace now. Even when things are difficult in my life. Some of you would say, I have this really cool church family. And they encourage me so much. I get so much uplift from my church family. And a lot of you would say, I love, I love being a follower of Jesus. It's the best thing that's ever happened to me. That's pretty good stuff. That's pretty good stuff. Now, now let's go back a couple thousand years, okay? And, and instead of asking us, and that's what I imagine you guys would answer, let's go back and ask them, the first believers, the first people in the way, what's it like to be a follower of Jesus? And we're going to see that in Acts chapter 2. We're going to read it in verses 42 through 47. But before we read it, we're going to pray. We're going to ask God to open our heart to His Word. All right, let's bow. Lord, thank You for our congregation, for our family. Thank You for our children that are meeting together right now. We pray that, that our, our whole mission of, of our congregation might be accomplished in their hearts, that they might grow closer to Christ, that they might encourage others to grow closer to Christ. We pray the same would be true in our lives today. As we read from Your Word that we believe and we put ourselves under the authority of, then, then Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit that You would teach us today that you would do this good work inside of us. Thank you, God. Thank you for who you are. We love you. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, here's the text, Acts chapter 2. What's it like? What's it like, you guys, who just started? The way just started. 3,000 people, it just started. One verse before, it just began. What's it like to be a follower of Jesus in the beginning? And here it is right here, Acts chapter 2. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued in their homes together in the temple courts. I'm sorry, I messed that up. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I wonder if you hear any difference in the answer I imagine we would give, and their answer. I wonder if you hear any difference at all. Their answer over and over and over uses the words we, our, us, together, everyone, all. Typically, in America, Christendom in America typically answers the question with answers about me and God. They answered the questions about us and we and God. And there's good reason for that. They're following a man named Jesus who said, these are the two commands. 
like the whole Bible, the whole thing, it all, all of it can be boiled down to these two things. Love God and love people. Love God and love people. In 2019, at the beginning of the year here, we're talking about changes that matter. We always think about changes at the beginning of the year. I'm going to lose 10 pounds. I'm going to save up to get a new car. Uh, you know, I'm going to start over losing 10 pounds now that I'm three weeks in. You know, I did start, and I'm going to start again. So we, we think about these changes, and we've been talking about what changes might you consider in your life in 2019 that will matter for your entire life or the entire life of others? What changes might you consider that could matter for eternity? What are those changes? And so we've said three. The first one is, three weeks, two weeks ago today, we said from Matthew chapter 25 that we want to serve others as if they were Jesus, as if the least person in our day was Jesus Christ. That He said to those people on that day, you fed me, you gave me something to drink, you visited me, you took care of me, and they're going, when did we ever do that? I don't remember doing that. And so one of our goals to have a change in our life this year is, is to serve other people as if we were serving Jesus. And it's already made a difference in my life. On Friday, I'm not going to tell you the story. I'm just going to tell you I was driving on the road and I had to turn around and go back. And I didn't want to. I actually said to God, I don't want to go as I was turning the car around to go back. Changes that matter. Azri talked to us about her and her family and some things that they want to do, some changes to go and, and, and help some people in Mexico at an orphanage. She told us that two weeks ago. And, and Russ and Aaron... Uh, hopefully helping out that they're going to go do that in February and we'll hopefully hear a report back from them about that. And then I've asked you to be praying. What might you do? What changes might you do to serve hungry, thirsty, prison, sick, lonely? What might you do to help those people? And I've already had at least one very <laughs> incredible response of a person who's praying God, what do you want me to do? And God's laid something incredible on this person's heart, in my opinion. And I hope that we're going to hear about that at the end of February the next time. Because this scripture in Matthew 25 is so important, we're going to preach it six times this year. We're going to spread it out over the year, and we're going to preach it six times and talk about serving others as if we were serving Jesus. The second thing we talked about last week was become a disciple partner. Jesus said, Go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always. We've been commanded to go and make disciples. So I challenged you last week, do this in 2019. Take a step in this direction. Do something on purpose with another person that says, I'm going to become more a disciple of Jesus, and I want you to become more a disciple of Jesus. Believers, yes. Non-believers, absolutely. Grab two of these books. Take them with you and find somebody to go through these with. And then today. Today we're going to talk about this. Loving one another. Because that's what's going on in Acts chapter 2. At the beginning. 
That whole text we just read was about 3,000 people and then a, at least one new person every day. So at the end of one year, there's at least 3,365 people because it says that God was adding to their number daily. And I'm assuming it was much bigger than that. And these people at the beginning, when they said, How, what is it like to be a part of the way? What is it like to be a follower of Jesus? The answer from Acts chapter 2 is they loved one another. They loved one another. And something, as, as we move forward from them to now, something has happened that it's not always about that anymore. It's not always about loving other people anymore in Christendom. I want to just share with you three ways I believe that Christians have messed up this simple goal of loving other people. I, I didn't say it was easy. I just said it's simple. It's a simple goal. It's just hard. It's really hard and messy and icky. And it's really simple. Love. The love the people around us. We've messed it up, at least in these three ways. Maybe, this, maybe God will touch your heart today and, and convict you about some of this. Here's the first one. Is that we Christians too often overcomplicate things. I got three things, and they all start with an O, so maybe it'll help us remember them, right? Isn't that what preachers are supposed to do? Work hard to, what's that called? Alliteration, yeah, thanks. We're supposed to work hard for alliteration, and, I, and, and so I don't do it very often. But today, oh man, you're going to remember for the rest of your life. I don't know about that. Anyways, okay. We overcomplicate things sometimes. We sometimes say, what is it like to be a follower of Jesus? Well, it's a like all these rules of religion it's like all these parameters it's like all these do's and do nots it's like all these things we have to study and know and agree upon and believe we all have to have this all right and sometimes not that that stuff isn't important but sometimes we put that stuff in our brain more important than the stuff in our heart love if you've ever heard a person say and I don't know why it is doing praying for the Catholic Church. I don't know what he's doing. That is crazy. I could never worship with the Catholic Church or the Baptist Church because they're wrong and we're right. So I don't know what in the world he's doing. I could never worship with them. That is religion. That is rules being put in, extra rules being put in like the Pharisees did. Relationship says... We have more in common with other congregations of believers than we have differences. We have more in common than we have differences. That's what relationship says. That's what love says. That's the kind of thing that Jesus came and did, and that's why they wanted to crucify him. That's why they hated his guts. That's why they talked about him behind his back. If you've ever heard someone say, well, that, that person, they can join our denomination or our congregation or our church family, whatever it happens to be called, they can, they can join our congregation after they jump through these two hoops or five hoops or seven hoops or whatever it is. It's different at every single place. After they've done those things, then they can be a part of us, but not until. No, they, no that person can't 
carry a tray of the Lord's Supper. They haven't jumped through the hoops yet. No, that person can't work on the soundboard. Are you kidding me? No, they can't be in our directory. We're not putting them in our directory until they jump through these hoops. That's called religion. Relationship says all of us are on equal ground together at the cross. Of course, there's things the Bible teaches, and we're going to teach those things. But relationship doesn't draw lines first. If you've ever heard somebody say, well, she's not really welcome in our Bible study. I mean, she's, that's the most immoral person in town. Do you know what she's done? I saw her at, and she was, and this happened, and I heard. It's religion. It's religion. But relationship says, you know, I know, I know what that lady's done, and I've probably imagined doing it. Or maybe not exactly what she did, but I've imagined other things, or I've done other things that I shouldn't have done. Love says this. Love says all of us are a work in progress. All of us are a work in progress. God's working on me just like He's working on her. If you've ever heard somebody say, well, we can't do that. When we get together at our worship time, we, we can't do that because I am very uncomfortable with that. And usually that goes with a scripture that says I'm uncomfortable and here's the scripture that says that. It's usually something that's disputable that could be go separate, several ways. I feel uncomfortable, so we can't do that. That's religion. Relationship says I'm willing to stretch out of my comfort zone for the good of other people around me. Not for what makes me comfortable or what is good for me or what I like, but for the good of others around me, I'm willing to stretch out of my comfort zone. The first thing that I think we've done to mess up the simple goal of love is overcomplicate. The second thing we've done that starts with an O is we've got things out of order. Out of order. How will people know that we are followers of Jesus? Will it be because we have the exact right doctrine and somebody who is working at McDonald's goes, oh, they have perfect doctrine. They must know Jesus. That's where I'm going to go. I'm going to join them. Is it because we have perfect morality? Because we have the right politics? Because we wear a t-shirt with a shirt on it or a cross? Because there's a list of 10 things that we never do? Because we're reading the Bible through this year again for the 14th time? Because we worship correctly? Or because we have this gift of the Spirit? Or we can do miracles? On and on and on. Whatever you, wherever you happen to be going to these different congregations, different denominations, there's a long list of things that people say. Well, if we just have this, people will know. They'll know that we got it. We're in. We're the followers of Jesus. We're the way if we get this. And all those things that I just mentioned probably, or at least most of them, are important for us to study the Bible and figure out what does the Bible say about those things. We want to please the Lord. Of course we want to know what God says about these things. But we get them out of order and we put them above or first or before we love people. John 13, Jesus says, a new command I give you, 
Love one another as I have loved you. You must love one another. By this, everyone will know you're my disciples. If you love one another. How did Jesus love us? Did he say, you got to get all these things in order first, then I'll love you? No. He loved first. We need to love first before anything else. And the third thing, the third one that starts with an O, actually starts with a C. We close ourselves off. So I got capital O, okay? Big off, big O. Okay, so we close off. We, we kind of we put parameters around ourselves or, or put a, a barrier around ourselves from anyone we disagree with. Anyone who's not just like us, we just kind of get inside here. Or, we, or maybe we even isolate ourselves completely. 25 years ago, when Amy and I first moved here, I, I met this family, and, I, and they still live here, and I love them, and, and they were going to a congregation in this town, and, uh, and I just knew that they were believers. And at some point, I asked them, you know, how's it going? How's it going at your congregation where you guys worship? And they said, oh, we don't worship there anymore. And I said, oh, okay. I said, what, what, you know, where are you guys worshiping? We worship at our house. I said, oh, okay, what, what's going on there? Oh, we have, you know, 15 or 20 people, and we all meet at our house, and, and we worship together there. And I was like, oh, okay. All right. And, and a few years went by, and I asked him again later, you know, how, how, how's that going? Are you guys still meeting your house? Yeah, we still meet at our house. You guys still have some people meet? Yeah, there's us and one other couple. You know, we're still meeting together. And, and then it was like later, it was a few years later, it was like I saw him and I was like, so you guys, do you guys still do that thing at your house? Yeah. Well, who is it? It's me and my wife. So I don't want to ask them again in case they kick each other out of the circle, okay? I'm scared to ask the question again. Like we just keep narrowing this down. Like you're not, uh-uh, you're out. No, you're not. It's really not, I don't think, it's possible to love other people if we isolate ourselves. If we only allow ourselves to be with people that we like or people we agree with, or people who do everything the same as us. Your elders, in the last couple of weeks, we've been listening to some lessons from Andy Stanley. And he's, been, he's talking about some of these things that I'm mentioning today about love. About Jesus calling us to love each other. And, and I'm stealing this exact example from Andy Stanley. With no apologies. He says that this thing, this, this thing called Christianity, this thing called the way, what we're talking about today, that Jesus calls it the body. He calls it the body of Christ. And if you're a Christian that's all by yourself, you isolate yourself, you pull away from everybody, and, and I, I've told you guys this before, people say to me, because I'm a minister, and they find out I'm a minister, and they go, oh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian, I believe in Jesus, but I don't need the church. I mean, I... I go off and I worship in the mountains. And uh, I, I don't argue with people about that. I figure it's a probably wasted breath to have a long argument about that. But Andy, Andy Stanley said this. He said, if that's you, if you say, oh, I just go off by myself, I just go do my own thing. He said, you're part of the body of Christ, and if a piece of the body is all by itself, what's that called? It's called an amputated part of the body. It's like a toe that got cut off and it's laying over there on the floor. And Andy Stanley said, actually what it is, it's gross. So stop being gross. 
Okay? Just stop being gross and join the body. You're part of the body, so join the body of Christ. I have a friend that I love a lot, and maybe a couple of years ago, he moved away to another city. And I was recently talking with him, and I asked him, I said, you know, where, he's a Christian and has had a church home in the past. I asked him, where, you know, where are you worshiping? And he said, you know, we've, for a couple of years now, I mean, we've, we, we've been visiting and stuff. We've gone to some places, but we haven't really gotten involved. I mean, we, there's some places we kind of like and we get a little bit out of it, you know. When we kind of feel like we need to get filled up, we go and, and they give us what we need. And this guy's such a good friend that I just decided to be bold. And I told my friend, there's a church in that city where you've moved to that's missing a toe. Or missing a hand. Or missing an eyeball. There's a congregation in that city that is maimed, that is incomplete, that is limping along and can't do what they need to do because you are not there. They're waiting. They're waiting for you to come and complete the body in that place. Okay, maybe you say, I get it. All right, I get it, John. And, and I, want, I want this. I want, I want to build relationships. I want to keep love in, in, in the right order. I, want to, I don't want to close myself off from other people or isolate myself. But here's the honest truth. I mean, I, I go to work, I get up, I do my thing all week, I take care of my family, I just, you know, I come here or, or I go to my congregation on a weekly basis, but I'm kind of in these habits of living life this way. I, I'm not exactly sure how to love more than I'm doing right now. What, what do you mean? Well, I'm just going to give you one way. I think there could be hundreds of ways. But I'm going to give you one way that applies specifically to us here at Gateway. And that is, one of the ways that you could accomplish these things in love is you could join a mission group. And here's, you may say, what's a mission group? And so I have, I have a slide here that, that tells you these people's names. Because I, I could give you information, but I really want to give you names. People! There's a mission group that Wyatt mentioned, and it's called, it's, I, I call it the Sparks Mission Group. And they meet here at the building, most Sunday evenings, early, because you said you guys are early to, early to bed. And you didn't even finish after that. You're just like, we just go to bed early. So anyways, uh, here's, you know, I, I'm going to do this. I, I don't, I, I just feel like this is what's important. People are important, not information. People are important. And there may be somebody who's sitting here who's hearing all this and you're thinking, I kind of would like to go to a mission group. I'm not, I don't know. I'm not sure which one. I don't know if I know these people or not. Okay, so this is what I want to ask you guys to do. If you have ever gone to the Sparks Mission Group, ever, on a Sunday evening, I want you to stand up right now. Just for a minute. Stand up. If you've ever gone, okay, stand up. And all the rest of you that might be thinking about going to a mission group, you could go, stand up, Wyatt. Come on, you're the leader. Hey. <laughs> so uh, the others of you that are here, you might, you might look around and you might say, well, I, could go. I, know, I know her. Oh, I know that couple. I know that guy. And you could go talk to them and find out about the Sparks Mission Group. You guys sit down. That was awesome. You guys did, you guys did, you get an A minus because Wyatt stood up late. All right. So the next one is the Bovary Enzer Group. They meet at Jason Jan Enzer's house a couple of times a month. And you can get the details about when, okay? But if you've ever gone to the Bovary or Enzer Mission Group, then I want to ask you to stand. Just stand up for just a minute. Stand up. 
Okay, look around the room. Look around at the people who are standing. And you think, oh, that guy goes to a mission? I can't believe it. They might even take me. Man, if they'll take Lindenberger, they'll take anybody, right? Okay, thank you. You guys can sit down. All right, and then there's also the Eichanger group, which meets here on Friday nights. If you've ever gone to the Eichanger group, stand up. If you've ever gone, Amy and I have gone before, so we'll stand up. Okay, look around. These are the people who've gone to the Eichanger group, and you can go talk to them about that group. Okay, you guys be seated. Then there's a student ministry group. I don't know if I named it right. Is that right? Student ministry group? Student group? Student family group? What's it called? <laughs> Kristen Mills. It's Kristen Mills group. All right. If you've, this is for like people that are in our student ministry and their brothers and sisters, old or young, their parents, their grandparents, anybody in their family that wants to come. And so if you've ever gone to the student ministry mission group, I want you to stand up. Stand up. Okay. Bunch of people, some in the back, some on the side over here. Okay. Different ages. All right. Great. You guys have a seat. And then there's the Witten group. And I think they meet, you meet once a month. Is that right? Meet one time a month. Meet in the afternoon, on a Sunday afternoon. If you've ever gone to the Witten Mission Group, stand up. You guys stand up if you've ever gone to the Witten Mission Group, okay? All right? It's kind of funny. Some, some people are saying they've gone to every mission group. There's some, <laughs> some people who really need it a lot. That's good. Okay, you guys sit down. And then the last one is the Carrie Duncan Group, and that's, we meet at Greg Carey's house twice, uh, once a month, one time a month. And if you've ever come to our group, stand up. You guys stand up? It's just, okay, good. Okay. I was about to say, it's just me and Amy. We're the only ones. Okay, so there's several that have come to our group. Thank you. You guys can sit down. I want to encourage you to find, to find one of these people and say, what is that group about? What do you guys do? And I'd like to, I'd like to know more about it. Is it a loving place? Do, do you get to know people there? Do you grow closer to Christ there? Do you encourage other people to grow closer to Christ there? So, I wanted to have a great story about a mission group right here, and I didn't have one. So, I thought, you know what? Uh, Anson and Susan have moved here. They moved here about a year and a half ago-ish, and uh, he works at a pharmacy here in town, and he's helped us a lot in getting these mission groups going and started. And so the other day, I asked Anson, I said, Anson, I just want you to do one thing. I want you to share one personal story, because I need a good story right here. So share one personal story about a mission group. And it could be about you or it could be about someone you know. So I want you guys to give Anson Witten a big gateway welcome. Come on up, Anson. I can't follow instructions very well. I got three stories. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> I want to tell you three short stories. One about a couple in Wichita Falls, Texas, and two stories from here. So there's a, a young couple, hadn't been married very long in Wichita Falls, and they were, they'd grown up and going to church. They had a lot of busy life. The young man had gotten in trouble a lot, didn't feel that he was very connected to God, but he had a friend that kept inviting him to come to a, a group meeting after uh, Sunday evening. And kept after him, kept after him, and said, well, we got your favorite food tonight. You come. So they did. And they kept coming and kept coming and growing and growing closer to each other. Long story short, because of that small group, the Spirit led him to go to Sunset Preaching School, and he's still preaching today. 
another story from here in, in Rio Doso. A young man that grew up here, went to high school here, graduated, got into a lot of trouble. He, w- he went to church too. He knew about God, but he didn't understand that God loved him so much and how he loved him. And he went off to college up in Albuquerque, flunked out, came back home. He was free to do what he wanted to in Albuquerque, and he got into more trouble than he should have, even more so than in high school. Came back home, depressed, turned to alcohol. His parents kicked him out. Ran head on into a tree and almost killed himself, and he knew he had to change. Moved back to Albuquerque, went to a, a church family, met some young men that met in a group. He saw what God had made in, in their lives. Today, we help support him. And if you don't know the story of Adrian Oliveira, uh, talk to him next time he's in town. This last story is about these words that are on the screen. These are your words. I asked uh, quite a few of you yesterday to to give me words that described how you felt about a small group you are currently in or had been in in the past and the difference it had made. So we have words like growing closer to Christ, a safe place to be real, a safe place to be loved, to be prayed over, to be encouraged, to be in fellowship, an enriching experience, a community, kindness, intimate place, friendship, educational and encouraging, sharing God's word, connection, a shared life, showing Jesus to my peers, being supportive, growing closer to one another, close-knit, accountability, caring, sense of belonging, close relationships, helping each other grow closer to Christ. And after I'd already prepared this slide, others that come in, building relationships to a higher and deeper level, encouraging each other to grow in faith, a positive place with positive people doing life together, challenging each other, serving neighbors and members within our village. All those are are positive words about differences that uh, uh, the small groups, the mission groups, the mission groups that are meeting our mission of growing closer to Christ and growing closer to helping each other grow closer to Christ. Those are the words that, that we speak to each other. And sometimes we forget about the connection that we make in these mission groups. Each one of you are uniquely gifted to help me grow closer to Christ in a different way. And you're uniquely gifted to help a person outside of this building to grow closer in Christ or to come to Christ. So prayerfully consider joining a mission group. Would you guys thank Anson? So grateful God brought he and Susan here. You look at what people are experiencing. These are, I didn't know that's what this was. I just, he just sent it to me. I didn't know what it was. And you look at what people are experiencing. Wouldn't that be horrible to be a part of this? Wouldn't that be terrible? That'd just be so awful. That'd be rotten. That'd ruin your day, ruin your weekend, ruin your life if these things were happening. It's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you, Anson. And I, hope it's, I hope God is tugging at some of your hearts to say, I do want to love people more, and I'm not sure how or where to do that. Then take... A step. 2019. Make a change that will matter. 
Some of you may be saying, you know, John, I mean, it seems like you're making a big deal about something we sort of already know, right? I mean, love, we all know we're supposed to love each other. I mean, does it matter so much to spend a whole sermon here talking about it today? And and if I want to continue living my life and the habits I'm living, I might be a little bit isolated. I go to my comfortable house and I stay kind of by myself a lot. If I want to stay in my comfort zone and I don't want to take a step, if I want to keep doing the things I'm comfortable with, what's the big deal, John? Well, let's not ask me. Let's just finish by asking three other people real quickly. Let's ask Paul. What's the big deal, Paul? And Paul says this. He says, the only thing that counts. Whoa, the only, wait a second, Paul, the only thing. That's what he said. Look it up. I can't even remember where it is. It's somewhere in the Bible, though. The, where is it, Jim? Galatians? Galatians 5.6, thanks. So, so Galatians 5.6, look it up. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. This is Paul saying this. It's the guy who left his career, his future, his religion, he left it on the side of Damascus Road. He dropped it right there. It cost him. Big time. And he says, you want to be a part of the way? The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Here's the guy we need to ask the most, I suppose, is Jesus, right? And here's what Jesus said. A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. We've we've read it three or four times this morning. How did Jesus love? Think about about these things about comfort and, and sacrifice and your own life and whether you're willing to do these things. Jesus left the comfort of heaven. Why would He do that? For love. Jesus stretched outside of what I imagine to be His comfort zone for himself to be born a vulnerable infant dependent on Mary and Joseph. Why would he do that? Why would the Creator and the King of Kings come down as a baby who is helpless? Why? For love. God didn't, Jesus, Jesus didn't even own a home. As far as we can tell, he was a homeless person. He didn't have a place to go isolate himself, close the doors, close the shades, turn on the TV, zone out and be by himself. He didn't have that. He lived with his followers in fellowship, in community. And he made his life an open book. For what reason? Why would anybody do that? For love. That's the reason he did it. Jesus didn't have any stuff to hoard. He didn't have a big pile to save. But instead, he he just shared what he had with other people. Open-handed. Why would anybody do that? Because of love. That night in the upper room. Remember that? All the apostles together, the Last Supper? Jesus didn't demand what he deserved. Go back and read the story in, 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 in the Gospels. Jesus didn't demand what he deserved. What would have been his right as the leader? What would have been his right as the one who had invested his whole life and his resources for them? The one who had actually built the very place they're sitting right there. It was his right. He was right and they were wrong. 
And he could have drawn a line in the sand and said, I'm not moving from this spot until somebody gets up off of your rear end and washes my feet. He had every right to say that, but he did not. Instead, he washed the feet of his followers. Why? Why would he do that? Because of love. He loved them. And from that upper room, he was heading out that night to go lay down his life. John 3.16 says, for the world. Why? Because of love. Nails would not hold Jesus' hand and feet to the cross. His love held Him there. His love would cause Him to pray to His Father, these very ones, Father, who are killing Me. These very ones who have beaten me, these very ones who are spitting upon me, these enemies of mine, forgive them. Why would he do that? Because of love. And how could a father forgive the people who are responsible for the death of his only son? How could God do that? It's because of love. Paul said it. Jesus answered it. And finally, the Apostle John answered it as we finish today. In the book of 1 John, this is what the writer says. At least this is my paraphrase. You can look it up. It's in chapter 3 and chapter 4. Chapter 4 basically says this. No one has ever seen God, but when we love each other, when you and I love each other right here in this room, when we love people outside of this room, when we love, then they can see God. That's what chapter 4 says. This is how he says it exactly in chapter 3. I'll read to you chapter 3. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need and has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. What if every person here today decided this year, in the year 2019, this is going to be the year I'm going to take a step of change. I'm going to do something different than I did last year, than I've done in the decades past. I'm going to do this because I'm going to love people. And like Paul, if you decide to do that, it might cost you something at work. It might cost you something in your future. But loving others is that important. And like Jesus, you might have to sacrifice being right. You might have to humble yourself. You might have to experience pain and rejection when you stretch out and risk. But loving our enemies and those we disagree with is what our leader did, and so can we. And like John said, Jesus laid His life down for others. And so even though I don't want to all the time, even though I don't feel like it, I'm going to to live my life by laying down my life for other people. How was it in the very beginning? The very first believers, the first ones, all of you who are members here at Gateway, you know this because the, your elders said this last January. At Gateway, our goal is not to restore the New Testament church. Not in the way that we meant that in the past where we come up with blueprints and rules and we do every single exact thing the way that they did it. That is not our goal here at Gateway. Our goal is to be like Christ. 
That's what they were trying to do. And that's what we want to do in our culture. We want to be like Christ. And so may we follow their example in Acts chapter 2. And may we love other people the way that Christ has loved us. Let me say it one more time, and I'll give everybody a chance to respond if you want to join Paul. I know we're not very demonstrative. We're really just kind of thinkers, you know. But here's a chance to say some words. Say amen with Paul. Here it is. May we follow their example in Acts chapter 2 of loving others the way that Christ has loved us. (laughs) Change it up on us. May it be so. May it be so of us. May people know that we are followers of Christ. Followers of the way. Why? Because we love one another. We're going to sing a song of uh, really celebration of that, I think. This Holy Spirit, Heavenly Dove, make us one. And it's really just a celebration of the fact that God has already done that. He's made us one. So let's stand and let's sing this song of celebration together. Brian? Holy Spirit.